Hey, all my IFG friends, this is Steve. I want to say, you know, if you like movies like I do, we've started a new podcast called Happy Hour Flicks. Uh, you can find it anywhere podcasts are found. It's all about nostalgic movies that we love, and we bring on special guests each episode, and we also have specialty cocktails made for each one, too. So it really is an hour of a good time talking about movies that we love, like Gremlins, uh, Seven, uh, Free Willy. Uh, we talk about The Last Starfighter also. So, I mean, we kind of run the gamut across all the decades and really have a great time. So I wanted to invite you to come over and join us at Happy Hour Flicks, anywhere podcasts are found. This is the, the independent, independent, independent filmmaker's guide from Framework Productions. Framework, Framework Productions. Welcome back to the Independent Filmmaker's Guide podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pierce. Today, I'm very excited to speak with the cast and creative team behind the film Still Here, which is set in today's New York. It's a story about resilience and follows the heartbreaking story of a 12-year-old girl who goes missing and the pain her family must endure. With me today is Maurice McRae, who plays the character of Michael Watson, Johnny Whitworth, who plays Christian Baker, Jeremy Holm, who plays Greg Spaulding, and Vlad Foyer, the co-writer and director. Now, Vlad, get us started off here with what's at the core of the the characters and their journeys in the film? The story, the script uh, suffered, uh, you know, transformation during the whole process of uh, from writing to production and editing. And um, regarding the family, all the time, I want to say the the story from the point of view of the fathers in, in missing kids stories. Usually, you know, we see the mother and the suffering of the mother. So my idea was to see a vulnerable, vulnerable uh, father, uh, male, uh, you know, who, who uh, all the time we look at them and um, they are strong and uh, they don't crack. So uh, that was the, the whole, uh, the whole uh, idea. Now with, uh, with Johnny, uh, I wanted to, to see it from the perspective of a journalist, uh, which, uh, you know, even these days, actually, when we start to shoot a movie or when I was writing the movie, um, journalism and press was not such a, a high debate that is today. Um, so uh, I wanted to bring somebody from an exterior world, giving Johnny, that's why, you know, his character, Christian Baker, it's a person that uh, it's totally out of touch at the point with what's happening uh, um, in, a, in a neighborhood like um, uh, the Watsons. And then uh, it's his transformation of realizing, you know, that the, the world is not just what he lives, but it's way bigger. And uh, he, he goes into it is the healing of the father. And uh, in the end, uh, as well, a huge transformation from the from the first, uh, actually last draft before production, was with the two police officers, one played by Jeremy here, uh, and we see as well their their transformation during the, the the whole process. Absolutely, Maurice, to go to that strength of character of a father searching for their lost daughter and trying to present that that strength forward. How do you approach the character and what were you trying to say within the journey of the film? Well, you know, you know, kudos to uh, Vlad and Peter who, uh, who laid out, who created a really beautiful uh, character in Michael. Um, but so my approach was uh, when I read the script, I'll be frank, you know, um, you know, Michael immediately resonated with me. Um, his, his strength and determination and, you know, really kind of, 
dire circumstances, you know, uh, I was really attracted to it, you know, as an actor, you know, particularly as an actor of color, you know, there are not a lot of opportunities, you know, a lot more now than, than in 2015, um, you know, where we have the opportunity to work with so many uh, emotional dynamics. So, um, but my end to Michael, uh, you, you know, when you're out with the kids, say in Disneyland and, you know, you got your eye on all of them and then one of them for a split second, you know, just, you, you don't know where they are. And that raw thing goes through you. And so, you know, I imagined that and then I extended it. And that's, that was my end to Michael. He's in this extended state of panic um, that plays out in various ways, as, as you saw in the film. And Johnny, you're kind of, you have a pretty contentious relationship with uh, your character does, I'm sorry, does with Michael in the film. How did you approach that as far as bringing that kind of melancholy that your character was carrying in and then activating into something to chase? I just allowed myself to be present and all the actors are so strong and we move so fast with the work. I, I, that, I think that was my salvation is I had no other choice, but to react off what was happening to me. And, uh, it felt raw and real. And well, I, I like reacting more than driving. Um, that to me brings uh, a freedom where you don't, it, you remove trying to do anything or having a presupposed idea by just being in the moment and taking what that is. And then hopefully it gets captured by the camera. So we see it. And then it, with editing, you're able to tell like what he's reacting to. Like I really, I, I commend um, Vlad and I don't know which editor, the editors, but I mean, I was always like all the performances that they breathe. Um, like the moments are there to land. And a lot of times that doesn't happen. Do you approach a scene where you're kind of reacting versus driving the action any different within your process? Early on in my career, it's more like, it's all about the eyes and it's about the silent moments and how you're reacting. It's behavior. And, um, that doing this was a really, really great experience for me because that was the whole process. Cause we couldn't do it another way. You know, I, we was fortunate that we, it, I mean, I, I, when I first saw the first cut of the, the movie, it was, I was so pleasantly surprised cause I didn't really know what the hell we were doing. Cause we didn't really ha like have a lot of, like I didn't have a lot of time. So it was always moving from one thing to the next. And it was all an emotional like beats that were like, I was, following so it was just allowing myself to be present so this was um something it's it's how good the other actors were that i was able to do anything that i was doing and <laughs> yeah the performances are very i think strong in the whole film which i think speaks to all of your amazing talent and vlad obviously helming the ship with all the performances jeremy uh kind of the same question to you like did you playing a police officer which is something you've done i think you know probably more times than you can count on your fingers and toes how uh, how do you approach a role like this to keep them different is there any nuances you're bringing or you just start from a base of self and listen you know this guy is is different than other cops I've played. The job itself has has put a, a kind of a nasty armor around him, and um, so I was mindful of that 
that habit. And I do know a lot of cops, um, New York city cops in particular. And I know a lot of homicide cops. Um, and so I just, uh, I just tried to talk to them a little bit and steal some, you know, some small things. There's a a dark humor that cops have and that's how they get through the day. And I think, I think that mentality is definitely, you know, what, what helps Spalding, you know, get through his day. And I think he's, he's really, you know, like a bulldog. And so I just, every scene, I just kind of had that idea in my mind. So Vlad's very open to improv, especially within this script, I believe. Um, and so does that terrify you guys whenever you know you're going into a scene that may take a different path than was on the script? That was that was a lot of fun doing that. I, I welcome it. It's the I mean, that was like the, uh, the crux of how things would work because it was like the behavioral thing that you're reacting to in the moment. And the, it really allows for you to be r- real and um, are as real as possible. Um, just because you're reacting. And so, yeah, I, 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 I love working with him for that reason. Improv scenes in my experience can be really, really hard to get off the ground. Like it's kind of hard to figure out what the first proposal is, like who makes the first action, who has the drive and then everybody else responds. Do you have like a specific technique you're using whenever you work with actors to allow them to have the freedom to change things or to modify them? How do you, how do you get that, that energy in the room? I, I believe that any director that tells you that knows how to control and improvise, it's a bullshitter. Doesn't matter how big of a director he is, uh, you cannot imp- control and improvise. You, though you are not living inside of the brain and the soul of the actor that, you know, that maybe at that point he feels to say something that five seconds ago was not there, but because of the reaction of the other character, build him something. So I believe improvisation, it's building, building, building. So the only thing that you can do, at least as a writer director, I believe that that was an easy thing for me being writer director, because I knew the script is just to see where, if they go off the rail, you know, like move them, you know, keep them there where you know what you will, you you will need in the editing. But ultimately uh, there are many ways of, you know, like, of course you can be, you can, uh, uh, come from the back and you know feed information to one actor that the other the other actor doesn't know and vice versa you know so you you build that improvisation but uh, in the end you won't know where where it comes you know so like as a director make sure that whenever you 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 uh, give a cut you have everything that you need in the in the, the editing room and everything else that comes on top it's a bonus and that's in my in my situation made many scenes, uh, like I told you, like they were here and with the improvisation came here, like one, for instance, a scene that we, we shot lately in, uh, in the reshoots in the, not, it's not reshoots cause we have not reshot anything additional shooting. It was Jeremy and Danny, Danny, Danny Johnson is the other, uh, the other detective. And, uh, they came to me and they, it was a scene and it's like, Hey Vlad, we had this, uh, these notes. What do you say? So it was the whole scene there, the dialogue and it's like, what do you say if here we go like this and here we go like this and here we go like this. And it's like, you read it, you know what your goal of that scene is. If you hold that, uh, and for the actor feels way more organic and natural to go with it, then you just have to, you know, put the ego somewhere in a, 
in a back pocket, leave it there, hold it there and, and allow the actors to work because that's how you will get a raw performance. I, I have to add one thing and that is when you're doing a film for a guy like Vlad, it's so freeing because yeah, I do a lot of episodic TV and that stuff. I'm like a continuity actor. I'm like, my goal is to make the script supervisor happy and the continuity person, the editor happy. And maybe I'll make the director happy, but I know if I make those people happy by doing this every time on the same line, I know I'll get hired again. So for me, it's so freeing to do, a f to, to, to film a shot where you can just do whatever comes to you and you don't have to worry about the hand there. I hate being a slave to continuity. I mean, I think if it takes you out, right, it's a total thing. Like if you all of a sudden somebody jumps across the room or is now holding a golf club, you know what I mean? And it was, it, that might be too much. But I really believe follow the performance, right? Like follow the best performance, the best take, the best emotion. Exactly. So, you know, you know, and I appreciate these uh, seasoned actors that I had the opportunity to work with. But I'll be honest. I was terrified. I was terrified, you know, coming from the theater scene and knowing, you know, some things about film and the importance of continuity. Um, so when Vlad was like, okay, we got one in the can, you know, let's do your thing. And I was like, what? It, you know, it took me a minute, but once I, I got it, and I, you know, once I got it in my head, you know, I said, okay, I'm gonna go. And I had, you know, so I, I, I fell back on my crafting, you know, coming from Meisner. I had crafted the hell out of Michael. So, you know, there wasn't a detail of his life that I didn't know. So once, you know, Vlad gave me that permission to really go, you know, you know, I, I was comfortable. And, and as Giant said, it was a free moment. But when that first moment he said it, and it, I believe it was in the scene with um, uh, myself and Johnny uh, in the living room, uh, I think when I come, when Michael comes in from uh, work and uh, and his character's there. And so it was it was an absolute freeing, beautiful moment on the other side of it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You know, but at first, because in theater, you're, you're, you're taught you honor the, the, the writer's words. And, you know, unless there are specific direction within the text, you stay on it. You stay on it like you know, like a radar, you know, so, uh, that, that was my, uh, you know, entree into acting. So, so, but, so it was absolutely fabulous to have that moment and, and those that were subsequent. Talk about packing your bags for characters like this. Cause they're all pretty, this is not, you know what I mean? It's not slapstick comedy where you're kind of coming in and being light. Everybody's got some baggage they're dragging. So how do you pack those bags? So that whenever you hit the scene from the first take, cause it is an indie film, you got to move quick. You can really execute right on the first try. You got to give yourself as the actor the permission to be bad and not worry about that because whether that, I mean, that you want it to be good, but I've found that personal pressure of that is will stiffen your work and uh, you just allow yourself to, you know, get through it. And then if not, that was your good rehearsal. Now you move on and you've gotten through that first one. And if it's brilliant, then it's like great moving on, but you can't put the pressure of being good. You've got to just trust yourself and your talent and your work and the work you've put into and just let it rip. So the, 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 it's a confine, uh, it, 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 it traps you when you, if you 
try to work towards an outcome or the idea of whatever is good. I, you know, I was a, I went to acting school and I was an actor for a hot second um, before I decided it wasn't for me. But I had a really smart acting teacher one year because I was very heady, wanted to analyze, wanted to have all this background. And I was constantly thinking about it. We were doing like Ibsen, something that already is really hard for you know anyone, regardless of how young I was. But he told me a great note. He said, like, in this next time through, you have to make at least three mistakes. And it was just so clever the way he just manipulated me to allow myself to fuck up, as you said, and it totally changed my game. And I'm never going to forget that. Yeah, that was, that was, that's nice. I learned, I had to learn that the hard way. I was stressed <laughs> the fuck out, man. In the beginning of my, like having to do everything, just trying to, you know, achieve something like the greatness of the people that inspired me. And I realized that, that there's no doing that. You got to be you, you got to bring you. And that's what the authenticity. And if you've, worked on your craft, you do what you build a framework and then you just let it bounce. When they say action, like I, then I'm not thinking of what I'm doing. I just had, I had been thinking without laying bricks. And then I've, I've, I've done things where I've come out of a scene, not knowing what I was doing, but the action that came like actions, like characterizations came out of a character. It's like, I have a whole trajectory of who this guy is like through like, asking a lot of questions about him and then you got to throw it all away. I think, you know, those happy accidents or the constraints when you got to work around something, I, I forgot the word you used, but when you were like not worried about continuity, like, I think that's the way the divine kind of works with, with you, with it. And the artistry is like being able to work in that and think of better solutions or how this, you know, work with it. Yeah. Because you have to give freedom. I mean, it's not just actors. You have to give freedom to, to everybody. That's why it's called art director and production designer. Like if you want to control them, then where is their craft? Why don't then just have somebody to do it for you? So same like with actors, if you want to control them to an extent where like, then I don't know, put yourself a, a mustache and play all the roles and do, do everything yourself. That's, that's why you, you hire these people. And it's very nice that you have, sorry, I just have to move a little bit closer. So, uh, it's very nice, you know, that we have, um, Jeremy and, and Johnny and Maurice, because, uh, as a director, I can tell you how, how different they prepare for the roles, you know, like how, uh, like, look, Jeremy told you, uh, I'm used with, uh, with TV, with series, uh, Jeremy gets like this, you know, gets in the, in the role and then you give cut and then he can talk with you and then you go back and he has everything, you know, prepared to detail because the way he, he works in, in a lots of, in a lots of, uh, in a lots of jobs. Maurice, Maurice, I have not met the real Maurice until we, we, uh, we give, it was a wrap. Like he came to the, I, at the beginning when he came in the, how you call it, casting room, I thought the guy is upset and it's like, but okay, he's upset, but I like him, you know? Uh, no, he, he came, I don't know, in the, in the sheet that they have for the casting, probably they had two scenes. So out of those two scenes, he understood the, the character so well. So he came as uh, um, Michael Watson. He came from the casting. And then he came to the, I mean, the callbacks were just for me to make sure that I'm, I'm taking the right decision. I was 
pretty much 99.9% sure that I want him. But I said, okay, I have a group of five. Let me see them again. And, and he came the same. I was like, okay, if it's a typecast and this is how this guy is, so be it, you know, like, and then, you know, during the whole movie and then he would go and again, our production, don't imagine that we had trailers and like this, uh, Maurice, he would prepare, like if it would be on the street, he will find somewhere like a little cocoon, make stay there and get into his character. And then I met the real Maurice and I was like, oh, this guy is fun. And he, he talks different. And it's like, so it's different. And then you have Johnny and Johnny will come on set and it's like, hey, uh, do I keep, uh, I chew again the gun? Do I keep the cigarette left or right or this or that? And he has 1 million questions. So it's like, it's very interesting because, you know, you, you work with su such a, such a variety of, of talent actors. And then as well, you as a director, you know, you just don't work with robots. Everybody has a question. And maybe the fact that Johnny asks, Hey, how do I, where do I hold my cigarette left or right? Do, uh, you know, uh, helps you with that question maybe not necessarily for that but how you want to build the character in that scene how to give the reaction to johnny how you know like it's very complex i it's it's a huge puzzle uh, from you know the part of acting and how they build their their parts and how they relate to the movie and how they act in a world created by cinematographers and art directors and costume designers and so on so it's uh, beautiful Looking back, it was uh, it was abundantly important um, that you know my execution was um, as honest as possible. Um, there were a lot of unknowns on that set for me. Uh, it being a new kind of a new environment, um, but you know I, I knew how to craft. You know, you know, in terms of your question about packing your bags, you know, I knew. Um, uh, the where I needed to be in terms of the, the emotionality of the, I, I like to refer it as the musicality of the moment. Um, I, I, I knew the points I needed to hit and it was important for me not to generate emotion, um, but to, to allow those things to live. So, you know, I answered every question, you know, that I could about uh, Michael, like in preparation, and I mean, I, I, I paid close attention to what others said if they made a comment, one line about me. And I just kind of filled in all the blanks, whether they were true or not. I just tried to stay as uh, I, I just used the script to, you know, to build him from A to Z as much as I could um, so that there was no room for my actor insecurities um, or my actor anxieties to come in because so when I was in at, when I was in as Michael there there was no breathing room outside of that so that was that was my kind of end and, and once you once you're you have all that homework done and then you look up at someone like Afton uh, who played my wife you know or, or Johnny or you know Jeremy or Danny uh, what they're giving you all you have to do is open your mouth and live and so because the set was so um, 
to relax, so to speak. Um, you know, you're able to just, you know, play as they say, just play. So let's talk about something that uh, like you think about action a lot, right? Like, so you build up all this emotional baggage, you prep, you do whatever you need to do to get into the moment for the moment of action, then deliver your performance. But what happens after they call cut? What are you guys doing then? Are you immediately resetting to kind of go back? Do you try and cleanse and totally walk away from the moment or do you try and stay in it? Like, how do you guys approach the moment of cut and reset? In front of my coffee. 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 <laughs> you know, you can have do a big emotional scene. They call cut, and then you have to live kind of in purgatory here to figure out: Are we going again? Are we moving on? Like, what's going on? And how do you get ready to do what you need to do again? Well, we all always want another take, no matter what. We want another take. We want, unless it's that one perfect take, which usually really isn't very good at all. We think it is, but it's not. Um, so, for me personally. Um, I know that I'm going to try to spray the performance here, 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 and here. And so if I, if I think I got that one and I don't need another one, I'm just, I'm now going through my, my process of, of moving the, moving the target a little bit, whether it be with uh, pace or amplitude or uh, a different kind of wrinkle for the day the characters had or, or, trying to get a little something different out of the other actor, trying to spray the performance um, so that then when, when Vlad gets in the editing room, he can use the different takes to kind of make the puzzle, build the puzzle in a different way. That's what I'm thinking about. And then coffee. <laughs> it was really important for me uh, to be honest uh, the entire time emotionally. Uh, because Michael had so much emotion and being too big for the camera was a definite uh, thing in my head that constantly ran. So I, I lean back, you know, my master teacher in grad school, you know, often talk, taught us about the importance of privacy, the sense of privacy. So I think I think for up until maybe the last close to the last shot coming in and out of scenes, I didn't look up. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I remember that. And I was like, why can't, why would this guy talk to me? <laughs> you know, because I didn't want to feel like there was an audience, you know, I, it was important for my instrument to, to feel like I, when I was home with my wife and, and my son, I was home with them and there wasn't a, a, this, a large group of people standing behind me. Cause then my theater actor thing kicks in. And so that's how I was able to protect that. And, and, and speaking, Jeremy, there was a moment when we were shooting at the door. Uh, I think this was a couple of days into it. Yep. And uh, I remember it was right in, we, we were resetting something. And then Jeremy leaned in and said, you're doing amazing. And I looked at him and I remember distinctly my nostrils flaring up for a hot second. I was like, he's not taking me out of character. He's not doing it. He can't be a nice guy. He cannot be a nice guy. He cannot, you know, he cannot be an ally. This is, this is not going to work for me. And so it was like, but, you know, that's, that's really who, who Jeremy is. And that's who John, it was really this ensemble kind of environment. And trust me, I would not say this if it wasn't, if it wasn't true. Um, and Listen, I'm I, sorry, it won't happen again. And, you know, and I always, I always, I always tell friends and family, I say he was my angel on the set because he, he, he really, you know, intuitively or otherwise had a sense that this actor partner of his could, 
you know, use a little um, encouragement. And, you know, I, I so appreciate it for him. But that one moment I was like, you mother. But, uh, but you know, so it, it was that kind of environment. But, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Definitely. I love you, man. I love you too, bro. How do you approach uh, Johnny? Do you want? Do you have any? Do you want to add anything to that? How do you like approach? What happens? What is your preparation for like going again? I don't try, but I think in the best situations, every take is different. Like I was saying earlier, there's a framework of a character that is built, and I'm living in the moment, so the reaction is natural, and everything is going to be different in each take, unless I get a specific you know, direction to go in this, this direction, then I, it'll, I'll just give colors for someone, I mean, for the editor or director to put together a uh, performance that choices. It's always going to be different if you're living in the moment, like it's always going to be different. So it's, you don't have to try. You just got to be present. I think some of the best scenes have not even made the final cut. You know, you have to, to oversee the movie, not, uh, you can have three great scenes that they don't fit with the rest of the movie or that you don't have time or they don't move the story forward. So it's like, yeah, overall, individually, there are three great scenes, but do you really need them? So whenever you get into the editing room, you see how they, they match with the rest. And uh, you have to be open to, you know, to, to live on the, in the editing room scenes that use like you thought that they are the main, you know, the center of your movie, realizing that, yeah, they're emotional, they, it's great, but then you go to the next part and they don't even, they don't have anything one to each other. So again, I think, you know, what they all said in the end, you, you finish a scene, but you just have to think about the other one and how you hold yourself as a character. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that's not, it's a, it's the only way to understand it because you can't get perfection and they're going to make those decisions and cut scenes. And like, you're like, but my arc and I needed that moment to match with this, 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 this trajectory that I was, I painted, you know, and, 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 and you got to let that shit go too. Cause that can really, I'm a sensitive person, so uh, that can really break your heart. Like I wrote a script with, with Peter on set. I was, I've been with you and each of you, like, because it was just pure improvisation because I would not cut, you know, the scene that I was saying about Johnny and, uh, and Maurice in the, in the room uh, that we left the camera, you know, roll another 10 minutes. And in the end, actually those 10 minutes, part of those 10 minutes made the half of the final scene. Or as Jeremy or Danny that they come and they have, you know, notes on the dialogue or like how to, you know, even, even blocking at a point, what do you say if we come like this and like this, cause it feels more natural and more normal and more organic. And then you go into the editing room. I work with two editors, you know, they come with, with, uh, with their own ideas and, you know, like literally it's, you collaborate with all these great artists and, uh, uh, you know, you, you have to be open to take, listen to everything. Uh, there's, there's a lot of opinions of how you should do the movie. I mean, uh, <laughs> if I would have listened to all the opinions right now, probably would have a thriller or a science fiction movie. Uh, cause every, everybody has an opinion and especially people that are not, you know, directly involved and in how you should do it. And it's like, you know, at next time, you know, raise your money, go and make your movie and you can do it the way you want. Uh, but this is how I want to make it. 
And as um, we already know, we, you know, time will say if it was a good, bad, mediocre, whatever movie. Uh, this is where I was at 30, what, 33, 30, no, when we shoot it, I was 31, 31 years old. Um, the changes have been seen as well through my years, you know, my growth from 31 to 36. So, uh, yeah, but if I would have had the same script at 50, definitely it will have been looking totally different. This is what we have right now. And I'm very happy with what we have. I think that's wonderful. And I mean, it, honestly, I think you guys should be very proud of what you did. I think the performances are very raw and very organic. And I think that that's a great achievement. COVID has kind of ruined all the upcoming plans, but are, do you have any upcoming plans? And where can people follow you to see what you're going to do next, uh, Maurice? Next projects, I am working on a writing project um, with me and two friends. That'll be my like first feature script. Um, but that's pretty much it at the moment. I'm on Facebook uh, as well as Instagram. Uh, the Maurice McRae. Johnny, how about you? I only work with like Twitter and Instagram and it's Johnny Whitworth. That's just that. And I have Facebook, but I, I don't do much on there. Um, but I, I do contribute on Instagram. some with like, just throw some vibes there. So Johnny Whitworth and I'm, and I have a, a check mark. So it's me. There's other ones. I have impersonators that do like weird things with people. <laughs> <laughs> So if you want a real fun time, follow one of the impersonators of Johnny Whitworth. If you want the real Johnny Whitworth, look for the blue check mark. If you want good vibes, go to the real one. <laughs> and Jeremy, what about you? Um, I'm developing a sci-fi thriller with my friend, uh, um, Chris Kelly. And uh, I, I just found out today I'm going to finish a movie I'd started in February um, with Matthew Newton. And, um, and then I've got two movies coming out actually Friday, uh, this movie, and then another movie called the block Island sound by the McManus brothers. It's a thriller. And then I have another thriller called don't look back, um, coming out in probably the fall. It's by Jeffrey Reddick who did the final destination franchise. And, um, I'm Jeremy S Holm on Instagram. Great. And Vlad, last but not least, what's up next for you and uh, where can people follow you? I mean, I'm working already on a, on a story I would not like to say more because I change a lot of time my mind and <laughs> direction. So um, uh, just follow me on Vlad Foyer on Instagram and whenever time will come, you will definitely hear about it. Filmmaking is a collaborative experience and so is this podcast. So be sure to follow us on Instagram for all upcoming episode announcements at framework underscore productions. There, you can also leave your questions and comments for our guests and for any topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Of course, subscribe to Independent Filmmaker's Guide wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and let us know how you like the show with a review. It really is helpful. And if you'd like to read the credits for an episode, call us at 347-871-1559 and leave us your email. For more information, including visuals, diagrams, articles, and videos of the episode, visit independentfilmmakersguide.com. IFG is a community, and we want to help you with your filmmaking process. Hi, I'm Heath Franklin, a filmmaker from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm reading the credits. IFG is created by Framework Productions and directed by James Allardyce. It's produced by Matt Mundy, edited by Audrey Ray McHale, and hosted by Stephen Pierce. The music is by Glassboy. Find his music on freemusicarchive.org. See and listen to all the episodes 
plus bonus content at independentfilmmakersguide.com. Thanks for listening. Hey friends, we just wanted to take a quick moment to talk about two personal things. First, we wanted to thank you, our listening community and our wonderful guests, learning so much together along the way and continuing to learn, sharing our stories, making a lot of new friends and collaborating, which is exactly what this is all about. Which also brings me to my second point. In great part to many of these new relationships, we wanted to let you know that we've taken a lot of this advice ourselves and made our own narrative feature film, Heard, H-E-R-D, Heard, which is premiering this October on Friday the 13th in select theaters, as well as on VOD. Personally, I think it's the perfect kind of scary movie to watch during our favorite scary season. So we'd love for you to celebrate with us and watch Heard. You can pre-order it on Apple TV, and of course, do the communal thing, see it in theaters. Of course, for all of this, please see our show notes, but basically, we're going to keep it all updated at herd.film. That's H-E-R-D dot F-I-L-M, herd.film as well. Thank you again, and be sure to give us a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to build this community and collaborate. IFG, how movies get made.